You are listening to Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court. And uh, I got to be honest, one of the reasons I got into doing this podcast was because of guests like uh, the man I'm going to speak to today who's been kind enough to make a few uh, minutes for me here. Gavin Rostell is the lead singer of, of course, the big rock band Bush, uh, one of the biggest bands going in the 90s and the early 2000s, now back again with a new record, The Kingdom, out this past year. But the reason, Gavin, as you know, is... Um, I've been amazed at people that get so into tennis that are hugely successful in other parts of uh, their real life, your life being a rock star. But you're, without a doubt, maybe the certainly from as a rock and roller, the best tennis player who's a rock, who's a musician, a rocker that I've ever, ever met and had the a privilege of playing against. How did you pull that off? I, I just... You know, I just have that passion for it. And um, it's funny, in doing this uh, podcast, which, you, which, by the way, I'm really grateful to be doing because, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours and uh, and of tennis in general, so this is a real thrill for me. It's just, it's, just, it's just great putting your heart and soul into something. And I think Tom Waits put it best when he said, uh, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so, you know, I just, for me, I, Tennis is it's it's like three times a week. I've now got a great coach here, and uh, we have these hitting partners, and it's so fun, you know. And um, I just get such a thrill out of it, and it's a world away from uh, music, and uh, that's it. Well, obviously, music is is your life, is your profession, but uh, the passion you bring to tennis. I've I've played with you, against you at the Chris Everett Celebrity uh, event. I, I mean, I don't know. You've been there. I feel like five, six, seven, ten years, maybe. But I, I'm always amazed. Yeah. You you and you were about the same age in our mid fifties. You seem to because imp- my game is definitely not improving. Okay, over the years, I was a little better when I was younger. But you you are you're dedicated to it and. Uh, like you said, you you're totally into it. And where did when did you get the bug to get into tennis? Um, from from as a, as a young kid, you know, I was very privileged to uh, grow up at a time where um, you know the area that I lived in. You know, I remember now thinking about this. Uh, you know, taking my tennis racket to go up to this club called Shandos, where they had a beautiful uh, red clay I, I grew up on you know the area i lived in you kind of get a few slaps on the way to the bus because it wasn't really carrying it was like one step up from carrying a violin case didn't really, <laughs> right right you know, a tennis racket or violin but, case right yeah it's just like what well, you know i get slapped on the way but i i just loved it and i had no reason i just and you know borg was uh, the most inspiring player for me i loved the way he he played and looked and that stoicism and i actually used to uh, play also the Cumberland where he used to go and train before Wimbledon. So, uh, you know, as a young kid watching him, and I did walk into the changing room once and it was just me and him there. And, um, 
I wish I'd said something better, but I remember just saying, I know you're going to win. It was just the most, like, nonsense, like, terrified <laughs> kid. Hearing it, like, I know you're going to And he's, I remember him playing with a burglar, his coach. Right. He was playing chess before the exhibition. And I just used to cut school. Um, it's okay, my dad knows. It's all out in the open. I used to cut school and just go and sit and watch, uh, watch him practice. And uh, that was the beginning of the two-handed backhand. Mm-hmm. I remember you being so wild and just his elegance, the way he looked. So I just, that's where the initial passion and I, and I played and I had this amazing, uh, uh, Israeli coach called Ronnie Lerner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was playing LTA tournaments in England. Oh, really? You were, you were, oh, wow. You're a really yeah. competitive player. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, and he, uh, he got killed in a car crash. Mm. And it was so sad because he was killed in a car crash, and it just and, it, and I I just seemed to he was such a great um, motivator for me that then at that point then I got skateboards. My sister was into punk music. Everyone else was doing it, and I just sort of started to veer off. I continued playing, but then when I left school, um, I didn't really play much for for mm-hmm. quite a while. I basically fifteen years off, and then what happened is when I was in. A, one time uh, making a record, um, and I didn't know anyone here. So I thought, what am I going to do in the days, in the morning? So I thought, why don't I just kickstart that, um, see if I can enjoy it? Because I never stopped watching tennis, but I mm. hadn't played. And so I often think that, you know, I, I move pretty good, and I think that it, I, I was unlucky enough on everyone else. The advantage I had over it is I took 15 years off where I didn't <laughs> put my body through right. the so I Somehow I, I kind of, and I laugh about it at the moment because I've got these different people I'm hitting with. Um, and just having a great time. I played with a 16-year-old kid, a junior yesterday. He was fantastic, but I just could handle his pace. Mm-hmm. I've been hitting with the uh, guy who's uh, Naomi Osaka's hitter over here, um, Carew, who's, a, who's a, an ex-UCLA player. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of guys. So I'm having a really, really good time and just hitting with these guys. Moosh is another one. I think he's a Pepperdine. And they're all about mid-late 20s. Sort of on and off the tour, but they're just like great to just go out and work and train with. And so I don't know why I have such a passion for it. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a, totally ridiculous. I mean, I got the breakdown, by the way, from my colleague here at ESPN, uh, Brad Gilbert, who said he played with you a bunch of times up uh, where he lives yeah, in Malibu. Yeah, and uh, he, mm-hmm. he broke down your game pretty good. He said you have a little bit of trouble, though, Gavin, with that sort of that, that no pace ball down the middle to the forehand. I mean, Brad broke it down. Big time. So when Brad yeah, no, breaks your he, when he breaks your game down, you know you're pretty good. He, he listen. I got to tell you, I've known Brad. You know, as long as I've known you and around and Chris's event and always in awe of you tennis guys and everything you've achieved and your commentaries. Like we 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 all know you pretty good in that sense. But he is just fantastic. He helped me more than anyone. We did a month straight, three times a week, mm-hmm. and uh, he just kick me to shape and, and please tell them the good news is that I worked on that and I think I've taken care of that. I'm popping that away now. So <laughs> okay, can, all right, okay. About that. I, I generally go for a masterclass every few weeks. I say, right. please, can I come and sit with you? And uh, it's, we have such a blast. I mean, he's a very, very generous man with his time and everything. That's incredible. Yeah, and he loves he loves playing with people of all levels. Like you said, he's one of the, he's one of the few. His knowledge, but he's yeah. just, he, he really helped me. He really, really ch- ch- turned me around. I mean, because I mean, a lot of ex-high-level you know, high level professional players get into coaching, but they don't really understand how to work mm-hmm. with people that aren't other professional players. But mm-hmm. Your passion, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Your, your passion that you bring to tennis, obviously you've brought to your career and to music. I mean, I went back and looked at um, your history, and uh, obviously I know all your huge songs that you guys have had uh, over the years and filling stadiums and uh, what you've done. I, and by the way, I, I see now you got a tour, as we talk about Australia, coming up in Australia in a few months. Is that, that That's right. Yes, and you know the last time I went to Australia, of course your other, uh, you know your other colleague, a really good friend of mine, is the is the is the uh, killer Cahill, mm-hmm. and he, uh, everywhere I went in Australia, I had an expert hit, not <laughs> least including Leighton Stewart. I went to Leighton wow. House, spent three hours hitting with Leighton, and then I took him to the show. And we had an amazing time. What a great guy he is! But yeah. So I usually lean on on, uh, on on Darren for the for the hookups in Australia. Now you know that's one of the perks of being a rock star. Okay, be the front man of a huge band, right? That you get to play you, wherever you go. We're gonna someone in the tennis world is gonna line up because I I watch a lot of your interviews and uh, I'm not gonna get too much into your your. I mean I'm into your career, and, uh, but I, it seems like when you do those interviews, you're like you're. you're are you a little annoyed sometimes that you got to sort of like go out there and give these interviews uh, as a rock star? Cause you, you're such a thoughtful guy. Obviously you're, I can feel your passion for tennis. Um, but, but sometimes do you find it like, uh, you, you know, it comes with the territory, but how have you dealt with that over the years being such a huge star? I mean, I've tried to be as graceful as possible. If I've failed on a, on oh a, on no, you're very gra- no, you're very gracious. <laughs> you're very gracious. You just see, you, it's almost I, like you, you, you're almost like too smart. You know what I mean? Like you, you're so thoughtful. I know you put that into your music as well. But it, it's it, you know that that huge star that gets in front of that that you know sixty seventy thousand people and then kind of soft spoken. You know when you get off the stage, well, you describe that. <laughs> there's sort of that difference that you have. It's just as a person. Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's strange. Uh, people are always surprised that I, I speak a bit quiet. You know, I'm not that loud and, you know, but yet my whole stage persona is extremely loud. But I do the amplification, so that kind uh, of helps. But I think that's, that's the case of just, you know, being unleashed in the way you go to work. I remember mm-hmm. going, you know, seeing, you know, it's just, I don't know, what are you going to do? I, I don't, I'm not of that character, those kind of, you have certain extrovert singers like a David Lee Roth would be a perfect example right, right. Of, of superstars whose persona is an, on a par with their voice, on a par with their music, as big as them, you know. Um, and I've, I, that, that hasn't been me. I come from a slightly different, more counterculture. Like my music is weird because the music that I made uh, originally with Bush was not meant to be commercial music. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a... It was real, sort of much more counterculture. The Pixies were a great inspiration for me, and these bands were not huge bands; they were just cool bands. Mm-hmm. And you know the difference. You're from sure. that thing, uh, and uh, it's not always the biggest bands, but the coolest. So, the whole thing of then having the success and, and having that accelerated life um, sort of felt like almost it was an antidote. Maybe some of the, the '80s, the, the hair metal bands. You know, mm-hmm. the, the rock bands were seen hair metal. Um, and then along with what's better word grunge, you know, rock bands like mine, we're just sort of seeing something a bit more street, a bit more cool, a bit not, not quite as uh, foo-foo, I suppose, or something, not as much hairspray. And so <laughs> we just stayed in that, in that vein and within that vein is like not being, not being a creep and not being sort of overbearing and, and obnoxious and just that, that style, you know, I like to look at, look at when Hendrix was interviewed, you know, mm-hmm. so meek. 
and kind and soft. And then when he plays the guitar, it's literally on fire. So I think there's maybe a more of a, a more connection to that than like kind of, you know, being a good, you know, doing head, you know, headstands whilst being to be. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at RiaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. Right, well, you're real, and I can see that when you're playing tennis. I see how focused you are. I see how into, into it you are. You obviously take your, your tennis seriously, but you know, you know what it's like. I mean, going back and looking, and when you first started out in music, you know, I, uh, I learned that you, know, you had to grind it out. You had to really sort of battle. I mean, it's sort of like you know, when tennis players got to go on the tour when they're young. Of course, there's always the example of a Nadal or a Federer, who I know you're, you're good friends with, and you spent a lot of time in his player box over the years. I want to get into that. But they're, they're sort of grinding it out because people see, I mean, when people see you now, they see, you know, the big, the big star, the huge, you know, the, the platinum records, you know, selling out huge stadiums and so on. But what it took to get there. So can you relate that, yeah. you know, that experience of how hard you yeah. had to work and, and also what you bring to the tennis court? Yeah. I mean, it, it just makes me laugh, you know, because he, he, it, it, it's like, you know, we get this in our culture now, the way that is social media, everyone's living their best life, but you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much rejection that we had so many setbacks. Um, and I still feel now, um, really that I'm always, you're always in a fist fight. It's mm-hmm. always a fist fight mm. because if many of you think you're not in a fist fight, someone's going to knock you out. You know, I've got two right. things to contend with. One is, one is there's people behind me who are amazingly good uh, and coming up, you know, new, new talent or, or whatever people behind me want to be on the radio. You know, there, there's a, there's a line forming around the, around the block of right. life right. Uh, to get on. So there's always that. And then there's always a battle. Like that's why I made on the kingdom. This record is quite an aggressive, really heavy record because, you know, at this point after sort of whatever is 10 records and, and uh, all the success, you can be forgiven for handing in a sort of pop bellied uh, acoustic record that no one really cares about. Go and play the old ones, you know? Mm-hmm. So sure. I, was, I destroyed the old set 
Now, I can't destroy the old set, but it's a good mindset to have. And so that way, I do all those songs, try and convey for a position on the set, along with all the uh, classic Bush songs that people uh, also relate to. So it's just sort of your own, you know, I'm, I'm starting that again now. I'm back in the back in the, in the realm of writing, back in the realm of challenging myself, you know, and uh, considering different collaborations. And so that side of it is a grind, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. And then you go, I got my kids for a month because um, I've had my kids for a month and I haven't been able to work. And I was just working next week. I was about to go to my studio. I just found out I've got a session with someone else next week, three days. And I'm like flipping out. And that's just how it goes. Like, or internally, not to anyone else. It's like, right. oh, no, I haven't got time. You're always, I feel you're always up against it. But I think that gives you something, you know. That's why when, it, when I, when at every show I play, you know, the philosophy is every show should play it like it's your last, you know. Just because you're in, in Ohio does not mean you don't give it like you're MSG. You know, you have to just put it all out on the line every time you do it. And that way you know that you, you know, there's no stone unturned. And if you get turfed out of the building or the dance competition of life, you know you deserved it. But, but if, you, if you give everything and you still get uh, removed, well, you know what? You don't have that regret of not giving everything you had. It's like the bigger you get, the more, you know, people come after you. And, uh, you know, I was talking about uh, one of the players, it was Alexander Zverev, who's, you know, top five in the world, or he's six or seven mm-hmm. right now. And uh, my cohort, you know, I was sort of breaking his game down. I'm saying, well, yeah, he needs to do this and that. You know, he, if he needs, if he wants to, you know, get, if, he, if he wants to get to the big boy, I mean, the really, I mean, he's a big guy. He's five, six in the world. He's been right. as high as three. But it's like the better you get, mm-hmm. The more it, you know, you, obviously you get in the spotlight, you know about this, but the more the critics will yeah. come after you, whether you're a tennis mm-hmm. player. And there's always been this dynamic um, between great rock stars like yourself, great tennis players. You know, Borg was sort of like the, like the, the first sort of tennis rock star. Obviously, my brother, Vitas yeah. Garolaitis. But what, what is it that, yeah. is it that dynamic of just, like you said, Borg being so stoic, you being that type of person. But when you get on the stage, when you get on the court, center court at Wimbledon, something happens. Mm-hmm. What is it? Well, Tell I me mean, what it is, because I'm not a big-time player. I, I, and I got my ass kicked on center you know, court by Agassi at Wimbledon, but... I, I, I'll tell you the weirdest thing um, when I when I first I when I first got successful when we first sold records and started to catapult and all that sort of stuff. Um, I had done ten ten years of like really working on that and like failing and rejections and this and that, and so it was funny because people would say, you know, how is it, you know, and what is that like? And and I think it must be the same in your world that when you were the right people that you see, I as soon as I was on those big stages to, to whatever it was, all those big stages, I wasn't overwhelmed. I felt mm-hmm. finally I was what I was, I felt where I meant to be, you know, in spite of being a shy person, in spite of being difficult or in spite of no success, just when I was in those moments, it, it was, it's was, it was quite fun. I like being in the eye of the storm. Like when, you know, things that are most, I noticed it the other day with, uh, I watched the weekend uh, of the Super Bowl and uh, there's a great moment. It's the same with you guys with tennis where you're, where you're, where you're just huddled before you go out. Mm-hmm. And that moment is about to go ahead. And I think sometimes people don't realize who don't aren't in so tune with tennis don't realize that it's very easy for any top player to be beaten comprehensively by anyone in the top 200 on the wrong day, the wrong moment, wrong conditions, 
you know, people can be really beaten. So it's that wonderful moment where it's that moment of reckoning. Am I going to deliver? Am I going to be who everyone's am? And that, you know, with Zverev, he's an interesting player, he's an incredible player. He just has these moments of self-doubt, that second serve, and right. he just looks all kind of strange. But yet he's doing that in semifinals of Grand Slam. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Like, right. It's like incredible. He's just gonna, you know, the more he wins, he's, he's an incredible athlete. It's just he's gonna, he's gonna get, he's gonna go up at least three places. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Well, whether, yeah, whether he, how far he gets, it's like, it's like you, you sell a platinum. When are you gonna go double platinum? You know, it's the same kind of thing. Well, that's what I like. I do yeah. like Medvedev. I mean, Medvedev is he's uh, he's probably my favorite. Him and mm. Kyrgios. Kyrgios is incredible, but Medvedev is solid, and uh, Kyrgios is exciting, and you know his. You know he's capable of everything and anything. You yeah, know? that's yeah, exactly. Uh, Which is sometimes is a problem when he gets out on the court. It's a problem when you're going up against someone else who has their life mm-hmm. and they're together. And you, you know, it's not just you going up on their own. And it's uh, funny on the subject of tennis. You know, you're looking at the Super Bowl and everyone's freaking out about Tom Brady as they should. But I got to say, man, the love that the, the both the men and the women going out and doing battle. I mean, they, the best thing about tennis mm-hmm. it is chess with chess with, with you know with power, and you know they're all on a precipice, as we know, as you know. It's an incredible thing that they achieve, and I do love that moment of reckoning, and that's the great champions have that. What was it like hanging out with Roger Federer? I know he's a good friend of yours. We used to see you in the in the mm-hmm. player box quite a bit, um, you know, a few years ago. So, what was that? You know, what was it like getting to know Roger and sort of being part of his, you know, his his entourage? I mean, you're used yeah. to having the groupies and the entourage, so you you were sort of in the re- reverse position. You were one of his entourage. What was it like getting <laughs> to know Roger? I mean, he's such a classy guy, humble guy, um, but yeah. being there for some yeah. of those huge matches. Yeah, I just. You know, really, really fortunate, really enjoyed it. Loved getting to know them, him and his family, and watching them grow. And, uh, you know, when I first met, I think it was like 2005, was when I first uh, met him. And then we we met somewhere, to, uh, someone had a dinner and a wind tour held an event, and I met Roger. And then we went for dinner, and then he asked me to go to his, uh, I actually watched him play Agassi. Yeah. Um, and then... And then, uh, and then a great friendship lesson from there, really. And I think it's to do with the shared values and this sort of, uh, I don't know, like a just, yeah, sometimes you get along with people and uh, we just got along great. We get along great. And what do you think is uh, in store for him? I know Bush is coming back and you guys are going to tour Australia as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Federer, of course, he had that amazing return a couple of years ago. We were hoping he was going to be able to make his return to this Australian Open, but that couldn't happen. So expected to see him back sometime in March, back on the tour. Uh, it's a little, it's maybe, I don't know, I guess it's tough for rockers too. I mean, you know, great bands have their, you know, moments where they're selling out, you know, huge stadiums and then, then maybe they're selling out. Maybe it's slightly smaller. But for Federer, it's, you know, like, can he stay close to the top? You know, can he still compete for majors, do you think, when he comes back? Um, you know, as we all know, it's just simply down to um, how, how his body holds. And he's been particularly, you know, he's been having an incredible life. It's quite injury-free. So um, I, I think that uh, it just... It's just so hard, isn't it, the recovery? It's not, can he mm-hmm. play one time, can he play one match? It's like, can he play four or five, you know, four-set matches? That's a, 
always the, the difficult one. But you know, it's um, if anyone could do it, he's the one. Um, and uh, I, you, I would never count him out. And it's just it's phenomenal. I was watching it, um, you know, seeing. I didn't actually catch Djokovic, but I watched Nadal, who's looking just ridiculous and uh, I heard that, that uh, Djokovic has played the most uh, stellar match and it's quite incredible those three guys have ruined everyone else's lives for right. so long now they, they got it's just the domination a total total, total stranglehold yeah. on the top of men's tennis but I made a prediction before the yeah. Australian Open of course uh, when this comes out Gavin it might be after the Australian Open but who cares I said it was going to be Medvedev over team in the championship match. Now, of course, most people betting on Djokovic, Rafa trying to get one more <clears throat> than Roger Federer. Uh, before I let you go, and again, I so appreciate you doing this. I know you don't do that many interviews, so Gavin, I really appreciate you spending this time with me. Um, Australia coming up. Hopefully that tour happens. The new record, The Kingdom, is out. Listen to a couple the tracks, Flowers on the Garden, unbelievable tune. So congrats on all that. What, what do you want? What are you hoping to get out of the next 10, 20 years of your career? I think that just to achieve the consistency to, to be able to pick and choose where and when we play. And, you know, you, 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 you referenced the whole thing of, you know, Liza, in Liza Minnelli's words, a career is just a series of comebacks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Great line. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, it's just, it's just, you know, having so many kids and, and, and people that have support us through the years, it's just as funny because people say when I first, you know, when I first had the boys um, uh, a few years ago, years ago, you know, have you written any music for your children? It's like it's the worst idea I've ever heard. I'm never going to write a song <laughs> for them or about them. Right. But having said that, I think what is really essential is I don't want to suck. You know, so I want mm-hmm. everything to be, uh, they, they just up your ante for the standard. I have my own standard. And then, like, when I made this record, I was like, the worst thing imaginable was if my kids, you know, someone played it in the house and someone goes, oh, that sucks. And he goes, oh, it's my dad. So I just want to keep <laughs> making really strong records that they're proud of. And then that keeps me in good check, you know, and just, and just simple excellence. You know, we know what excellence is, you know, great songs and great performance. You know, that can keep going. Absolutely. And it is going. And uh, let me tell you something. You don't suck in music. You definitely don't suck in tennis. And that's why I had you on. The, 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 the one rocker that I go out and when I play against in the charity events where I actually say to myself, I better make sure I'm a little bit warmed up for this. Because, you know, most of the time it's just I don't have to move at all right? when we play against you guys. But against you, Timothy Oliphant, not bad, though, the actor. He did my podcast, too, by the way. You two, the two of you together, that's a nice doubles match right there with me and my brother. But there was that lovely shot. I got you that inside, inside in kind of backhand and passed you. I didn't get much past you because you were actually a great, obviously a great player. But it was wonderful with the, uh, uh, um, you know, jumping into my arms. Uh, I'm telling you, the, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the whole. You, 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 you pat, you pass me with that big forehand. You keep working hard at that tennis game, Gavin. I look forward to uh, getting back on the courts. Hopefully, this whole pandemic oh. finally will get behind us. We can get back to live performance, live music, and uh, even some a little more fans watching tennis live. Imagine that. Yeah, for sure. And I just finished off, sorry, with Stubbsy. Stubbsy jumped in my arms. It was a great Oh, Stubbsy. Oh, yeah, Stubbsy's down in Australia, too. Yep, she will do that. She will absolutely do that. Gavin, yeah. 
Rostel, lead singer. I really appreciate you doing this. All the best to you and your boys, and uh, keep on working on that midcourt forehand, okay? Yeah, I'm on it. You got it. (laughs) Take care. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. 